0: Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. And for the reading of the Word, I would like for you to stand, if you would. Praise God. I'm going to try to preach this message with this screwdriver in my pocket. It would have been nice if these were yellow or red. They would have made the suit, especially a dark suit, look nice, but... The black doesn't show grease, and uh, tools usually end up very greasy. James five seventeen. I sure like the book of James. I don't have the right scripture written down here. <clears throat> I hate to tell you. So what we'll do we'll turn to James 3:17. All right. James 3:17 But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, Then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy, and good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy. And I want to preach from this one word, mercy, full of mercy, just the word mercy. And you may be seated. and i'm sorry that i did not have my other scripture correctly labeled but uh, that's J- james 5:11 i have 17 but it's 11 let's read that then you don't have to stand for this james 5:11 behold we count them happy which endure You have heard of the patience of Job, and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful, that means he's full of pity, and of tender mercy. The word tender is placed there. I uh, have just been so full since our revival and during the revival of just... Thanksgiving, God has been so good to me. I went through the whole revival not feeling well. I, I'm just happy to say that I just really do feel good. I feel good this weekend, just very good. I don't think Father's Day had anything to do with it, but it sure did help my my general feeling, you know, of, you know, your emotions and such. But it was in a Terrific camp this past week, brother and sister Hollis. were down at the camp all week long. You know, I was up teaching. It's just so good. They sit right on the front there. You know, just so. Brother Brother Cole said, "Who, brother Grant? Who, who is your greatest critic in life?" I said, "Well, you say that in a constructive way, I suppose." He said, "Yes." I said, "My, my wife is." I mean, I really do appreciate my wife. You know if. Uh, uh, if I'm doing something that's that's wrong, uh, I appreciate her help, her assistance, and uh, I don't like her to overdo it. You know, a little sensitive there. <clears throat> Most men are. So he said, "Well, Sister Grant's not here, so I'll be your critic this week. I'll tell you if you do anything wrong." Well, I didn't know if I wanted that or not because <clears throat> Brother Cole is such a powerful man, a powerful powerful preacher but you know about what was it about four years ago or three years ago we were lined up to do the Illinois camp together and I was really looking forward to it and we were all praying and fasting Brother Blake uh, I remember in a prayer service uh, him making mention of this and people laid hands on him and prayed for him and I just really felt good about it and I got down there and Brother Cole did not show because he was he was sick and this time, I really didn't know if I was up to it. And I talked with Brother Breithaupt and told him, I said, I just, I'm going to come if I possibly can. But I'll tell you, I just never have seen such a great move of the Lord. I made mention of this this morning, but I think I should repeat it again. Thursday night, you know, Brother Cole is he just famous for his Holy Ghost rallies? You know, just oh, just fantastic. And he challenged the people, said, now, Holy, "Holy Ghost night is Thursday night. We want everybody to bring everybody you possibly can." Well, you know, visitors, you know, not a lot of visitors show up for camp meeting. Camp meetings services are usually long; they can be an endurance test to a visitor. But uh, we had a Holy Ghost rally. He said, "I promise I won't preach very long, but we're going to talk about receiving the Holy Ghost." And would you believe Thursday night? When we gathered there, I mean, the place was packed. Now, they have a large auditorium. I am not for sure how many it seats, but probably two times, maybe two and a half times as many as ours up at our camp. And it was filled to capacity. And when Brother Cole began to talk to them about the Holy Ghost, and when he made an appeal for people to come and pray for the Holy Ghost, I was amazed that that many people were there without the Holy Ghost. In that service, 167 people received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Isn't that great? Oh, thank you, God. Thank you, God. It's just fantastic what God has been doing. And then, of course, during our revival services, we had 67 people to receive the Holy Ghost when Brother Hollis was here, I think 66, and then we had another one or two uh, in the last week that was an unscheduled week with him. So since Easter time, I've seen 240 or so people receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I was at a few other meetings in which people were filled with the Holy Ghost. But I, in all the years I've been preaching and living for God... I've never seen that many people receive the Holy Ghost in in, in a two month span and I really do thank the Lord for that I thank God for it Brother Charlie we have a little bit of a ring in this can you hear it out there maybe it's just in the monitors or something up here Uh, is this one turned off okay every now and then my ears play tricks on me sometimes I think I hear things that I don't hear and Sister Grant says it's just a process that you go through. It's kinda of like cheese it gets older, you know. It just changes, it gets better, but it's, it gets older. <clears throat> but I said I said what I, I said to to bring you to this one important point. Uh, I guess I, I just really have taken a a little bit different look at my life and the progress you know there's so many things i want to do before jesus returns i'd even made mention of a dream that i had three times i dreamed this dream when brother hollis was here and it was on a thursday night and this this dream just really did shake me and i thought about it so much since then i told about this uh, in, in one of our services, but I uh, I just dreamed that I that I died, uh, but yet it was such a different type of dream. How many of you heard me tell this? Most of you have. How many of you didn't hear me tell this? Just I don't have a few people. But what 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 happened was I, I just I just remember sitting in this line. It was just such a long long line. And, and it was like I, I, when I, I sat there, I was puzzled as to what this was all about. So I was sitting there, and I kept moving up because the person in the front of the line, it, it appeared like they were disappearing, but I, I couldn't see it. There was, and it was there, on and off. It was like a flash bulb, you know, like some of our weddings. And when taking these pictures, lights come on, lights dim, lights come on, lights dim. So, and I, I was trying to figure out what's this all about? I'll give you a few more details of this than what I did bef- before and and finally I saw I was getting closer and closer and as I got closer and closer it, it wasn't I wouldn't say a fear but just a uh, you know an, an anticipation you know like you know I was very curious but at the same time i i, I was there was a little hesitancy to move forward but I was compelled because the person behind me kept pushing on me but see, every time I'd try to look around to see who was pushing on me and who was behind me, I was instructed, and I'm not for sure where that voice came from, but I was instructed, no, you can't, you can't see who's behind you. You can only see who's in front of you. And uh, so I sat there, and I, I just moved up a chair like I was told, tried to look around. I was told I couldn't do that. And finally, I got in the front chair of this long, long line. And then I noticed that this was obviously an angel of God sitting in this one seat. And so the angel of the Lord says, Now, you've come to this very, very important moment. Uh, And that is, uh, we are prepping you, preparing you. You know, it's just like an operation. We're prepping you for death. This is the reason why you couldn't look back. You can only see who's gone before you. Now, the angel of God says, uh, they will be coming for you in just a moment now. It, it, and it won't be, but just, just a moment. And I, I, I remember begging and pleading because I had some unfinished business. I said, oh, look, I've got a lot of unfinished business. You don't understand. You know we're we're working on a church building plan. We want we want we want to build this building. I've got to see see this completed. And the angel says, No. When you sit in the chair you're in, you can't do anything else. You just wait on the moment that they come for you, and it's going to be just a moment. You can't go back and do anything else. It's too late now. I said, But Lord, I mean we're involved in the, in a Holy Ghost revival and you know I just there's some things I'd like to talk to our people about to know what, it, what you've instructed these people on and in uh, that's just that's all you can do you, you, you can't come back I said well now Lord um, there's several things that I was I've been doing some business and such I'd like to just kind of round this up no, you can't. So it came down to this. I said, now, well, what I'd like to do, can I go back and just call my family together and say farewell? I said, no, you can't do that. I said, well, i meant if you just send my wife by, just let me, let me tell her goodbye. The angel says, "No, you can't even do that." So, well, what's going to happen to me? He said, "said Don't you worry about it, because they will find you. What's left of you, they'll find you. Everything will be taken care of. But, but you, you can't take care of anything else because the hour has arrived." and I said, well, and the angel of the Lord said, now, what's going to happen here? So, we're going to prep you and we're going to give you some instructions. Now, we're going to turn the lights off. When the lights are turned off, you're going to feel the hands come and wrap around you and hold you. There will be some fear, but it will be just momentarily. Will be gone. There'll be some pain, but you can endure it, and don't don't worry about it now. It may it may seem to be excruciating. It may, may to you it may be very difficult, but it only lasts for a moment. And then what we'll do? Uh, we'll turn the lights back on. It'll all be over with. And uh, I realized then that the lights coming on was. Me entering into eternal life. Now, the reason why this shook me so much is I, I had the dream three times in one night. Now, I really don't know if this is, you know, something from God from the standpoint that's really going to happen to me. I will assure you that someday it will. I don't know how soon, but it will. But I guess uh, the thing that has impressed me the most is I catch myself and my actions and my attitude. I catch myself readjusting and changing things just just because of this. And because of this, I have been made to realize how weak I really am. made a whole lot of mistakes in life there were <clears throat> some situations that I've been involved in there are there are some that I've been involved in or, uh, of late that you know I just I kind of wish I could go back and redo them but I you know you, in other words I, I guess I just I just see how weak human flesh is. And, and and really, when you... when you now you got to have balance. You follow, follow, follow what I'm saying. You can get so involved in the weakness of human flesh that, and you look at the mercies of God that you, you're just trying to get get the idea that, that everybody is just constantly making mistakes and doesn't make any difference to God. It does make a difference to God. Yet on the other hand, you can, you can let the pendulum swing and you can get on the, the opposite end of the swing and you can say, well... Uh, mercy doesn't mean a whole lot because we are perfected through the grace of the lord, our lord jesus christ and there has to be balance it just so happens tonight i want to talk about uh, the other side of this and this is purely a pastoral message I, I would say unlike the revival messages that we've been hearing but and i do appreciate them but you know we have to we have to settle back to reality it's not not that revivals not real but You just don't live in that plane all your life. There has to be some spiritual growth, the acquiring of the character and nature of God Himself. So you who are new here in the house of God, we do believe in the Word of God. We believe in digging in. Now, I I just... Mercy, basically, is, is God overlooking judgment that rightfully belongs to you but he overlooks it because of a correct attitude or response on the behalf of of the individual who has the weakness now i i kind of put sin into several different categories i think there's some things that god just does not tolerate at all just will not just that's it there's certain things he tolerates for a while and certain things he tolerates for a long time then we leave what I call the transgression of the law of God, and we go into just the weaknesses of the flesh. When I say weaknesses of the flesh, let's say, let's say if you have an individual who is not disciplined properly, and as a result, this person struggles in life as a result of a lack of discipline in any area, from handling of finances to you know just a basic organization in, in his or her life. Uh, you know God. Even though there's a lot in the Bible about Christian stewardship, you know full well that God will take a, a human weakness like this and deal with the individual considerably longer. In other words, He would be more long-suffering than He will someone that that is, is just openly violating the law of God or doing something that we consider an, an abomination. To God, and even though it may be something that that you should you should correct, maybe something that you should straighten up, maybe something that you should should bring around, it, it's something that that you probably suffer more as a result of this weakness than the kingdom of God suffers as a result uh, uh, of someone else maybe committing a, an open transgression. Am I making myself clear? And and, and this is so, so important. Let's say that that you you have the problem. Let's say you can't balance your checkbook, and and you're just bouncing checks all the time. And you may say, does that have anything to do with you spiritually? Well, I'll tell you this. If you stay down the dumps all the time because you're overdrawn, and you get these, uh, what, what do they charge now for an overdrawn check? $17? Somebody said $17. Well, you know, you could write 17 $1 checks and be overdrawn and have to pay 17 times 17. Now, that's a heap of money, you know. And usually, if that happens to an individual, they're not not—they're going to not gonna have the victory. They're not going to walk in the house of God and say, Praise God i bounced 17 checks this week. But God is good. And God is real. Now, maybe some situation that came your way that you had no power over you would be able to magnify God and glorify God but when human weakness weaknesses come into play usually that's not the case because they have a horrible devastating effect upon uh, your emotional uh, structure to shake you to the core shake you to the core uh, let's say a person has a problem just saying the wrong things to people. Don't know how to encourage. Uh, Brother Tim spoke of his father in such a commendable way, but he's, he's a man of a few words. There are some people that are not people of few words. they are people of many words. And it seems like the more they talk, the more they put their foot in their mouth. And some of those people that, that you may be turned off the most to, would spend more time crying over what they have said and done than what you'd ever believe. I, I've talked with people that tell me it just seems like I can't say the right thing. I just say the wrong thing all the time. So as a result, they they just they just get down. They just and, and it seems like people who are, are a little hyperactive and. And and, and, and and you know their 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 metabolism is high and such. Uh, it seems like that they they do have the roller coaster situation a little bit more than than people who are kind of even with everything. And some people they just get depressed. I talked to a person just this past week it told mm-hmm. me said I just get depressed all the time. So how do you fight depression? I said I just go in the bedroom, get in the bed, and pull the cover over my head. So what are you depressed about? I don't have any idea. Just feeling bad about myself. So when do you feel bad about yourself? And the individual said, "You just don't know the mistakes I make. You just don't know." Well, some place in all of this, you have to understand that you definitely serve a God that that does care, a God that is does have a watchful eye on on your activities. Now there are other people that that you know they would maybe never make a confession but uh, they're very vivacious outgoing uh not introverted extroverted people. You you might you might think they are but but inside they have this complex. You know most people never know what really makes you tick. What really makes you what you are. And they don't know how you feel about yourself. They don't know how you feel about things. And and so as a result, they you know, they just travel down life's road and they realize that they make a lot of mistakes, but they think everybody else pretty much got it all worked out. Now I have been pastoring long enough and living long enough to know that there's nobody in this building that's got everything worked out. There's nobody here and there's nobody in this building that 100 percent of the time they always feel good about themselves they don't that they do have fears they have frustrations they have sorrows they they deal with 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 pain and and when I say pain I'm not just talking about physical pain but I'm I'm basically talking about you know the emotional structure of uh, uh, of the individual, that, that you, you say the wrong thing, you do the wrong thing, you regret so many things. Says, Why did I do this? Why did I do that? What about this and what about that? Now, this this is basically uh, what I, I, I want to talk about for a few moments tonight. Now, <clears throat> one thing that I, I have really thought about, so many, many times, I guess in the last 15, 20 years, and I've preached about this a lot, is the judgment seat of Christ and the importance of it. See, in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 10, Paul says we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And I, I, I've looked through the Bible at this, the judgment seat of Christ, and uh, well, while I do understand what the scripture is saying here, I am also convinced that, taken in the context of all of the scriptures, that the judgment seat of Christ is not something that that's futuristic that will be set up later. Basically, it just simply means that that it is the position, it is the place or the point of contact that you have with God in which. God is able to pass judgment upon you and make a decision as to what he's going to do about uh, adverse behavior. You follow what I'm saying? Uh, Whether it it be now, which I believe the judgment seat of Christ is set up right tonight. I believe that. But then we also know that that when (laughs) the Lord comes back after the church and we go to receive our rewards, as the scripture says... Awards, we'd probably use a word that, that we all will go to the judgment seat of Christ to be given, every man, according to what he has done. And then later on we find in the scripture uh, a throne set up, it's called the white throne judgment, but this is where Christ will judge the world and he will deal with <laughs> adverse behavior there somewhat more harshly than, than perhaps he'd deal with it today because it is the final judgment it's the last time that 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 he will deal with uh, adverse behavior coming forth from human beings now i have read uh, many times from hebrews the 4th chapter and i just want to i want to turn there and read hebrews 4:14 4, seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed in the heavens jesus Christ, The Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. You know, what I'm getting out of this as I start reading is when he says hold fast our profession. Now we know that God sees all, he hears all according to uh, Hebrews 4.13. But what you have to do, you have to you have to cling to God and claim your relationship with God, regardless of how adverse things are, regardless of how maybe I should say how naughty you've been. And every now and then you talk with someone, you can you can tell that the person is just not with it spiritually. And, and of course, I like to inquire. I don't always do that, but I like to inquire if I think I can help. Is there something bothering you? And I've had people say, oh, I just really blew it. You know, I just lost out with God. How do you feel about God? Oh, God's all right. What do you think, think about you? Oh, I'm terrible. What about your relationship with God? When the holy... Meets the terrible. But see, that, that is, that's the situation you have because the mindset that we normally have about God is that He is holy and nothing evil can enter into His presence. See anything wrong with that, do you? Except maybe there's a little hitch in all this that you're not really looking at. In First Corinthians, Second Corinthians, pardon me, five. When I talked about all appearing before the judgment seat of Christ, it, then, then it, if you look at the the very next scripture, verse eleven, it says, "Therefore, knowing the terror of the Lord." You know, we persuade men to repent. So I'd like to think that maybe that scripture is is maybe in a little bit different setting. Then, what you find in Hebrews 4. Let's see. In Hebrews 4, this is what it says For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly before the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy called the throne of grace but we obtain first mercy and, and maybe this is in a little bit different setting when I said a little bit different setting I said the judgment seat of Christ is where God or Jesus Christ judges it could be him judging right now it could be after the rapture takes place what, what we commonly call the judgment seat of Christ and it could be the white throne judgment but basically in a little bit different setting then, where where things are not quite so final. When I say final, that is, no more opportunities, no more chances. I don't think anybody should live their life, however, just taking advantage of the long-suffering of God. I'll, I'll talk about that in this message also. But uh, it is, it's just great... To know that uh, we can separate ourselves from our sin. And that right now, the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ can cleanse us. Can cleanse us. Now, I talked about weaknesses, but and we don't always put weaknesses in the same category that we put sin. But, but sometimes they do overblap. And Paul talks about, let us. let us lay aside the weight and the sin that does so easily beset us. Uh, you know, human weakness would just be a weight. Let's say you had a little personality quirk. Where you didn't know how to be nice to people. You know, there's some people like that. That they run their life with sarcasm. You know that? There are people like that. That it doesn't make any difference what you... You say it's they, they they bounce back with some sarcastic remark. Well should you do that? Well obviously you're not one one many people to God if you're sarcastic. But you see, you may be praying and seeking God and fasting and trying to overcome this and nobody knows about it. Just you and God. Maybe everybody around you are feeling badly about your weakness, but maybe not quite so badly as you feel about it yourself. So I'd like to think in a, in, a, in a situation like that, that that even though you may not be able to quite put your finger on a commandment or a law, that that, that somehow through the process of, maturing and growing in God that you could reach the point that, that that you could just overcome that thing. But whether it be that or perhaps some sin that, that you've committed. Now let me just give you an example of sin while I just throw this in. I, I've actually talked to people that told me that they got in a habit of lying when they were young. Just, I just told lies all the time. Little children, you know, they're just masters at lying. Now, parents sometimes say, oh, they have a vivid imagination. You've got to be able to decipher. Where imagination stops and they're just outright lying. They have to do that. And you have to stop that lying business. Because you don't want them to get in the habit of just lying all the time. Now... What, uh, what happens is, if, if the person does not overcome this, and they continue to do this, after a while they grow up into a full-grown individual, then when they come to God, you're not just going to come down to the altar and repent of your sins, throw them all at Jesus' feet, and walk away and think you've conquered lying. Now, I, don't, I just hate to catch people on a now, I've known people like to do that. I've had people quiz me. They said, D- didn't you say the other day? And I said, yeah. They said, but you just said, I said, yeah. But, but what about this? I, I, I know of a preacher that every time you say something to him, he'll quiz you. He just loves to catch people on lies. He's even said that. That's my hobby. I love to catch people on lies. Now that's, you know, that's quite an interesting hobby. You think about that for a moment. What if you had nothing to do all, but all day think of a line of logic that would catch somebody in a line? Well, you're talking about an interesting life, isn't it? <clears throat> now, you would be God's blessing to humanity. But <clears throat> I, I just, I've had people tell me things I knew was differently. I knew. I just outright knew. I just listened to him. Yeah. I've had him come back later and said, now you knew differently when, when I told you. I said, yes. How come you didn't say something? I said, would it have made any difference? I probably would have made you mad. Well, I'm feeling bad about what I said. And I said, yeah, you ought to. And you know the thing about it? I knew that they knew when they were telling me that I knew they were lying. Now, can you get that? They were aware that I knew. I didn't say anything. And I said, well look, I'm your pastor, but I can't run your life. And the truth of the matter is, there are times in which you have to let God deal with things. Basically, pastors and everybody around you has to give you enough rope. To hang yourself or enough elbow room to go to hell if that's what you want to do. Because if the Holy Spirit doesn't deal with you, sometimes, <laughs> you know, Pastor Grant talking to you about it doesn't help. Now that doesn't mean I just go around ignoring things. But you see, some of these same people that just chronically tell these stories and they can't get things right, you'd be surprised. In counseling, how badly some of these people feel about things. Oh, God, I just, I knew it wasn't right. I want to tell you, it's, it's hard. It's hard to correct things like this. I'm not trying to make make this sound difficult. I'm not trying to justify anything. It's just not that easy. Now, I have never taken a a, a drink in my life. And I've kind of boasted over the fact that, you know, nobody comes around offering Pastor Grant liquor. Well, would you believe in the last couple of years I've had two people to offer me something to drink. A neighbor of mine drove up and got out of his car, and it was, I don't know if it was New Year's Day or when it was, but it was some holiday, and I opened the trunk, and he came, he called me over and said, Hey, come over here, Pat, the Pastor. And I, I went over there, and he says, take your pick. And he had the trunk loaded with booze. Just take your pick. Well-meaning man. And I said, uh, I, I'm sorry. I said, I, I do not drink. He says, oh, well, I'm, he said, I, I'm sorry about this. He said, uh, I hope I didn't offend you. Now, I could have looked at the man and said, yes, you did offend me. And you get your booze and you get out of here. but I didn't do that you know what I did I'm going to shock you is what I told him I said you know what this was very very thoughtful of you to stop and think of me unfortunately in this situation I am not able to accommodate by taking your gift but it was very thoughtful of you indeed you know what he did he had on a hat and he pulled his hat off and he said my hat's off to you he said, if you've gone 50-something years with never taking a drink, take my advice. Leave this stuff alone. He got in his car and he drove away. I thought I had kept our friendship alive. I believe I did. <clears throat> the man stopped by the church here several times. Most of you know him. He lives right around the corner of one Road. in And then just the other day, the neighbor came down and said, uh, I got some stone down here and and I was driving a, a skid loader and he said, Would you mind coming down and just picking this up and taking it across the street? Which I did. And when I finished, it was a hot day. You know, a ten minute job just kind of in between trips. He came out and said, I want to give you a beer for doing this. And I said, You know, I don't drink. He said, You don't? I could guess. And I'll tell you another thing. That person weeps and cries have been fasting and praying about this this habit would you join in with me and we'll bind ourselves together with this brother to see that he overcomes this thing 1 <laughs> Corinthians 11 Paul says let us examine ourselves because God is holy because God is righteous because God is sinless That when we come into his presence, the first thing we ought to do is examine ourselves. We should never partake of the Lord's Supper, the Bible says, until we have examined ourselves. Now, let me tell you this, okay? I'm not trying to blow anybody's theology. I'm not trying to blow anybody away that has acquired this state of perfection where they never do anything wrong. But let me clue you in on something. It seems like success with God is not altogether predicated upon who overcomes what as much as who repents of what. Now you gotta think about that one for a moment. Well I do believe that overcoming is important. But how many times see overcoming denotes a a struggle? And in the book of Revelation, doesn't it say, he that overcometh. Which leads me to believe that everybody's got something they have to overcome. You may be delivered instantly from alcohol. And maybe something else that somebody else was delivered instantly of. You may be struggling with that. But I will assure you that everybody here has certain things they have to overcome And overcoming means struggling. That simply means. You see if you repent of it one time. And you put it down. And you never pick it up again. And it never enters your mind. And you're not tempted. To me that's deliverance. But what about overcoming? Quite often many trips to the throne room take place. And many times you pray. God Would you please forgive me? God, would you please forgive me? God, please forgive me. Now, God is in the saving business. Luke 19.10, the Bible says, The Son of Man cometh not. To seek and save that which was lost. He comes to seek and save. For no other reason did Jesus come. For no other reason. And when I enter into the throne room. Which I'm privileged to do tonight. I can take my sin directly to the Lord. And he can separate me from that sin. Take it away. And make me just as if. I never sinned. But. I do know that uh, as much as it is important for me to go to the throne room, I do know that there there has to be a there has to be an attitude on my part that does not take advantage of the long suffering of God. So I want to try to give this a little bit of a balance. It's one thing God, you know, there's one thing God hates and that's hypocrisy. You know that. Now I don't know why, but it seems to be like my my uh, pastoral work in East Texas is just something about the southern people now they're good people and I'm not and some of you are from down south but there's something about the southern people there's a, there is uh, a lot of genuine sincerity in Southern hospitality but there's a little bit of a there's a there's a tone of hypocrisy in some of that. let me just let me just point this out you know I've been visiting places where, Maybe there, here's a, a husband and wife. Good people. Good people in the church, you know. And he's got some rowdy kids. and Kids are kind of tearing the house up. I remember this happening one time. And so the people got up and said, Oh, we got to go. Man, these kids are just terrible. I mean. They were. Yeah. Yeah. The man in the house says, Oh, don't worry about this. You know, we're just here having a good time. So... They decide they want to leave. At the front door, I could hear the conversation. Now, if you can totally overcome hypocrisy, totally wipe it out, where there are no discrepancies, uh, <clears throat> please bring me your formula right after service. But, but this is kind of blatant. It's kind of glaring. You know, you got to, oh, please don't leave. Man, I'll tell you, we're having such a good time. And so the people walked out of the door and the door was closed. I heard the man tell his wife. Whew, thank God they're gone. Dear me, those kids tear this place up. I didn't think I could wait till they left. <laughs> I don't know what would happen if the man had knocked on the door and said, We decided we would stay a little bit longer. Well, <laughs> you know, God hates hypocrisy. And, and i did see when i pastored our it may, maybe it's just i don't know what it is but but uh, some of the southern people they you know they they have a pride about them they do not like to admit mistakes i pastored two or three people i knew smoked now you may say is it that bad to smoke it's worse when you try to hide it and say you don't mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You follow what i'm saying I remember a pastor coming to me and said, What do you do when somebody slips around and smokes? And I said, Well, I think I've got two or three people that smoke. That. They tell you that they don't, but I think they do. And I said, What happened? He said, Well, I was downtown, you know, and this brother had on this kind of a rain-shine coat, and it was winter time, And, and I saw him sitting on the corner, and he was just smoking a cigarette, you know, smoking a cigarette. Just, and uh, I thought that... that uh, that he had been smoking, but but you know we just talked and it was not you know if the man said oh yeah I smoke and I'm trying to overcome this weakness of the flesh and so forth no big deal but he didn't do that careful shrewd gonna hide it so the pastor saw him the pastor thought I can't turn around and walk away he'll see me what am I gonna do I not want to catch him smoking but what he did was the man he walked up behind the man the man had a cigarette it's what he did he Pull this rain shine coat down. I said, boy, is it ever cold today. So, <laughs> he had his cigarette up in there. The pastor thought, well, if he's just going to be that big a hypocrite about it, I'm going to stand here and talk and see what happens. <laughs> so he kept shaking, trembling. The pastor said, I just stood there, and I stood there, and I stood there. He said, all of a sudden, smoke started coming out around his collar. <laughs> I said, what did you do? He said, well, I caught his collar and I did like this. When I did, it was like, almost like smoke rings came out. I said, I thought you were cold. He said, I'm freezing. It. He said, I looked at him and said, You know, I think you're burning up. <laughs> he said, I think you're burning up. He said, I believe you're on fire. You know, in the South, we have a lot of snuff dippers, too. Anybody here ever dip snuff? Jeff Baum. I would have guessed that, Jeff. Andrew Cone, did you raise your hand? Now, tobacco, I've chewed tobacco. Anybody here ever chew tobacco? You know, I used to smoke cigars and chew tobacco. Now, you probably could never feature me doing that, but but I did. But I remember a brother, he, he chewed and I I knew that he was chewing and, and and you know but he was the type of guy that he was always down on people I said oh you know he labeled everybody being a hypocrite I mean he's judgmental, but I remember one time going down the street and here this brother was walking down the street, and the street was I mean like this going way down the hill and of course there's a curb and a gutter on the side, and, and I was coming up this hill and he was walking down this hill you know just. And, and all of a sudden, he saw me, and before I realized that he had this big jaw in his jaw, I pulled over to stop. And what he did, he took that out real fast and put it in his hand. He dropped it like this. Now, I was probably 50 feet away. The whole problem was that this hood was perfectly round, and it just started rolling down <laughs> toward my car. And I stopped the car and watched this roll right down. It was almost like a carefully <laughs> orchestrated planned putt on on this green that's going to, you know. <laughs> and it was just like my car tire was the hole on the green. I'm telling you, it rolled right down there. I never saw anything so funny. And this man, I'm here to tell you, he he almost passed out. <laughs> you may say, you, you may, you're going to make such a big deal out of somebody. To, it's trying to cover something that, that, you know, and trying to be judgmental. And boy, it's one thing Jesus did not like Jesus did not like hypocrisy. You know, if you have a human weakness, I'm not saying you ought to go around advertising it, but by all means, Don't be so hard on everybody else and so judgmental on everybody else. Make sure you confess your sin and you don't try to hide this or your weakness or whatever it is. Make sure that you deal with it in this respect. Now you've got to understand God is in the savings business. But I'm not so sure. There's one thing that I find in the Scripture. Jesus said, Beware of the leaven of the... Pharisees which is hypocrisy well oh, he didn't like people doing things and covering up and appearing to be so holy when they weren't so holy appearing to be somebody when they weren't somebody and like I say I'm not, I'm not talking about this as license to go out and do what you want to do I'm just trying to get you to be honest and open and make a confession to God and say Lord I've got to overcome this thing i got to lay it on the altar I've got to it to Calvary's feet I've got to keep on trying, keep on praying, keep on repenting, keep pushing forward until I totally overcome this weakness. That's what i got to do. I can't just, you know, crawl up in a shell someplace and do my own thing and then crawl back out and be a Christian. After a while, you know, you'd be so callous and hard. The other day I got on my tractor and I was running across the field. And You know, I have a little bit of a weakness about animals. I hate to see people hit rabbits and things. And I've always hunted, but I just don't you know. It's just something different about it, you know. Sister Grant, you know, she'll go in sliding sideways to miss a lizard or something like that on the road. You know, I run over night crawlers and things like that. But I was going across the pasture, and I had a big mower behind, and I had a drag... And I looked down, and just as my tractor tire was turning right this far from it, there was a turtle this big round. said, oh, no, before I even thought. I was over him. Went up underneath this big mower. Just boom, 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 <laughs> And then all of a sudden the drag hit him. I saw him go, I went on about 20 feet got my tractor stopped. But oh, by the way, I have brakes on my tractor now. <clears throat> I didn't have brakes before. Brother Brunker, Brother Jeff Neeson, and Brother Charlie put brakes on it. it took them four or five years, but they <clears throat> got them on. But do you know what happened? Let me tell you what happened miracle of miracles, I couldn't believe it. I looked back and I f- was feeling sorry for that turtle and I saw his shell was totally closed up. You know what he did? I saw it open up a little bit. I saw his little head peep out. I said, I ran over him with a tractor. Now, I don't have a real big tractor, but I know this, I got pretty new tires on it and when they put it, put the tires on, they fill them full of fluid and there's a big weight on it and the man from Cynics told me these tires weigh 550 pounds apiece. Well, I got one on each side and then, of course, I got the tractor and I ran over him and I could hear him boom, 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 boom underneath the mower. And then I saw him turn over and over and over and over and over. But let me tell you something. He was well protected. You think that tire's going to get him? You think that mower's going to get him? It would have if the mower blade hit him just right. But somehow, something else was hitting him. I don't know what it was. And then that drag. So I thought, well, he's probably really hurt. I made a round when I came back around. He was not in sight. I mean, he he got out of there. <laughs> but some people are pretty much that way with God, you know. I mean, they can take a lot of the judgments of God, you know. They take some beating up. And they seem to never really get the idea that God is really trying to deal with them. They can get down to where they just don't have a thing. And the relationship. It's only because that they, they've they developed this shell they know how to they know how to hide things, protect themselves. You just better be thankful that you have a little bit more time to work on some of these things. Because you see, God is in the saving business. You say, how come God doesn't just zap all the hypocrites? You know what I was doing one time? I was preaching one time on State Street. And I was, I was preaching down there. <clears throat> there was a, a man came, a big, strong, husky guy. And he walked up to me and he shook his put his fist right up in my face. So what do you think of this, preacher? I said, well, <clears throat> I haven't seen much out of it yet, so all I can say is it just looks like a double up fist. He said, you're not afraid of me, are you? I said, are you saying that you can whip me? He said, yes. I said, well, but that's not what you said. You said, you're not afraid of me. Basically, I'm saying this. I'm not really afraid to get whipped by you. You think you're smart, don't you? He said, just listen to this. He went out in the street and doubled up his fist and he cursed God. I mean, called him some very terrible, profane things. Then you know what he did? He came up, put his fist back in my face and said, what do you think of that? I didn't say anything. He said, well, let me ask you this. If your God is so powerful and so strong, how come he didn't kill me? well what happened was when he said that there were several people around and and I wouldn't say believers but they just and so all of those kind of set the stage you know for a serious note to slip over and he just sat there he said well what do you say I said I'll tell you the reason why God did not kill you number one he loves you number two God's not in the killing business. He's in the saving business. He would absolutely receive no glory over killing you. He could do it if he wanted to. But I rather think God would prefer to deal with your heart for a while. See if he can get you saved. You know, that man just dropped his head. See, God is in the saving business. God would have destroyed all of Israel according to Psalm 78, 39. Because Israel, oh, they were in the wilderness. They were, they were worshipping a golden calf. But you know what God says? God says, but I remembered that they were but flesh. Fresh out of Egypt. Egypt had a hold of them. Just crossing the Red Sea didn't take it out of them. Had a hold of them. And some of you fresh out of the world, you're not going to be used in tongues and interpretation and prophecy and spiritual gifts and bus ministry and teaching classes and playing and a lot of things. Some of you maybe not for a while. Why? Because you've got to get Egypt out of it. not bring the real glory to the house of God that needs to be brought as long as you're battling. Now, on the other hand, you've got to remember, though, God is extremely compassionate. He cares. He wants to save you. And He will do anything He can to work out some of those things. You know, there is a... Situation I find in the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel was talking about the cherubims. And when Ezekiel began to explain the cherubims, uh, <clears throat> this is found in Ezekiel 1 in verse 8, talking about the heavenly beings. And they had the hands of a man under their wings on the four sides. And they four had their faces and their wings. You know, isn't it amazing, as spiritual as these beings are, that all of a sudden God took something on the planet Earth and said, I want to identify these ministering spirits with the human race. And under their wings, there were angels, angelic beings. God purposefully created these angelic beings with hands of men under their wings. Why? Because they were ministering spirits to men. You can say whatever you want to, but some things that, that, that seems to be so loft and so holy, it, it, it brings about a little bit of reservation on some people's part because they think, I'm not worthy of that. And God, if nothing else, just through His creativity, He wants to prove to you that I want to touch man. I want to be involved with man. When Jesus Christ came to the earth, He was God with us. He was. In, in John one fifty one, Jesus talked about the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man, going all the way back. To the book of Genesis where Jacob had the vision of Jacob's ladder that reached from earth to heaven. And when Jesus came, God with us, he said, I am that ladder that reached from heaven to the earth. And so... He is not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities but he was tempted in all points like as he. Yet without sin. Setting a good example for all of us. Let me tell you something. Through the Holy Ghost you can make heaven. I'd like for you to stand with me at this time. Through the Holy Ghost you can make heaven. But you've got to be honest. You've got to be sincere. You must hate sin. Hate it to the point that you're willing to bring it to Calvary, to Jesus. Cast it at His feet and say, Lord, I, I need You to forgive me. I need You to touch me. I'm not preaching this message because I think I have a whole lot of people here in this church just running around doing what they want to do. But to offer encouragement to the person who is struggling. And struggling and struggling. I tell you what. If you'll stay honest and open before God. I'll assure you God will work with you. He'll work with you. He cares for you. Of course the secret is just staying honest. Bringing it to Him. Confessing it to Him. Let's just bow our heads right now. God of heaven, take this message and these words. Touch these precious people, Lord. These are people that need to feel the hands of a man. These are people that need to experience Jacob's ladder. They need to climb from the earth to the heavens by you, Lord. These are people, Lord, that need to be reminded that they are but flesh and yet have an understanding that you also know they're but flesh. But because they're flesh, they can bring their troubles and cares and weaknesses to Calvary and bury them in the throne of mercy. Grant to them everlasting life, I pray God, through their continual coming. In Jesus' name. Now, keep your heads bowed. Every person here that needs strength from God in some area or the other. I mean, you've been struggling with something. I'm not talking about... You just really need to overcome something without anybody looking around. Every eye closed. Why don't you just slip your hand up? And say, Lord, I, I need this. I've been praying. I've been seeking God. I need it. Now why don't you step out and come down to the altar now. Approach the judgment seat of Christ right now. Approach it right now. Approach Him right now. Now there's people all around you. And I'm not asking you to just come down here and make a confession. Right in front of everybody. But if you, you came, God knows. You know. Bring it to Him right now. Lord, I surrender all. I give up everything. I want to make heaven my home. I want to be in your presence, Lord, forever and ever and ever. Bring your bad tempers. Bring your pride. Bring your habits. Bring your weaknesses, whatever they are. Bring them to Him. If you're overly sensitive, bring that. If you're overly jealous, bring that. Whatever it is, bring it to him. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Let him touch you. Thank you, Jesus. Oh. Thank you Lord, Thank for oh, God of Heaven.